Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Really double Welcome everybody to the Really 007 podcast for another look at the wonderful James Bond books. Now, this time we're focusing on filming at Neen Valley Railway. And author Mark Hernandez has written a marvellous book chronicling those who were involved with the shoots there for Octopussy and Goldeneye. So there are various places you can find our podcast to listen in and follow, including YouTube, iTunes and Spotify. And we've got a website on our Pod Dojo network. Thanks for sharing, rating, listening and recommending all our episodes. We can also be found on social media at Facebook, Twitter, or X as it's known now, and Instagram. So uh, get in touch with us there. So tonight I'm going to give a special shout out to a chap called Johnny Crown. Brilliant name. Now he's a, a huge Bond fan and he's been a terrific contributor to our Facebook page. So shout out to you, Johnny. Right, well, Mark, we're here with you today to discuss your wonderful book on the train tracks, which I've got with me here. Um, Fantastic, thank you. <laughs> yeah, there it is, yeah. So the book focuses on filming at Neen Valley Railway. And we've mentioned for both those films, Octopussy and Goldeneye, we've just had the 40th anniversary of Octopussy. And Mark's book brings together so many behind-the-scenes stories, really, of those who had small parts and large parts in contributing to these two classic Bond films. So, yes, Mark, first of all, yourself. <laughs> I yeah. you're a Bond fan. That We've got to ask everybody. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit of a Bond fan, I'd say. I'm an ardent Bond fan, you know, like, you know, you, you, I think you have to be to do anything like this, you know, whether it's, you know, a podcast like you guys do or, or a book or, or something like this, anything that, you, you know, involved in fandom and, uh, you know, the, the, the Bond fan community, uh, the BFC, as nobody calls it apart from me. <laughs> That's but, good. but yeah, you know, I've, ri- I've written this book that, that goes in the, the sort of details in nauseating detail, some might say, that okay. the goings on, the, the filming of, of basically the train scenes from Octopussy 
and Goldeneye that, that were filmed at Neen Valley Railway, which, you know, I grew up around uh, the railway. So it, it just sort of goes into, yeah, those stories. So that's what the, the meat and drink of the book is, really. To those of us who aren't from the UK or beyond or even in the UK, mm. could you tell us where yeah. the Neen Valley Railway runs from and to? Yeah, sure. So the, the, the Neen Valley Railway is a, a, a heritage railway site and it's sort of situated on the outskirts of Peterborough. So it's sort of in the sort of part of sort of East Anglia, that which is where Peterborough is. But what the unusual thing about, about the Neen Valley Railway is, is that originally it was part of a much longer railway. So in the sort of you know, the 1800s, when railways cropped up all around the UK, as you know, as you know, there, there was the original railway opened in, in the 1840s and it was the original Neen Valley Railway line was sort of a, a 47 mile stretch of railway that went from Northampton across the country to Peterborough. Then when it sort of closed in the sort of 1950s, 1960s, early 70s, uh, different sort of stretch, it sort of got smaller and smaller until the sort of the last sort of stretch that was kind of open was this sort of stretch that ran sort of seven miles into P into the outskirts of Peterborough. So it sort of starts in the the, the railway is like seven and a half miles long. It's kind of situated in sort of rural Northamptonshire. And then it goes into passes, goes in fact into sort of three counties, which is quite unusual. So it starts sort of in Northamptonshire, goes into a little bit of Lincolnshire and finishes in Cambridgeshire. People in the UK, when any you, you tell anyone that the Neen Valley Railway is in Peterborough, because that's sort of where the postcode is, you know, immediately people, if people have heard of Peterborough, they've, they're, they're, you know, maybe heard of it because... The football team, there's a lower league football team that, that, yeah. that the town kind of has. Peterborough is one of those places, one of those kind of, it's like a small town or it's a city, well, it's a city, but it was a small town up until the sort of like the 1960s when it became sort of like an overspill town, a new town. It was given new town status, so similar to sort of Milton Keynes. So Peterborough, and it sort of grew from there. So it became sort of like an overspill town from sort of London because it's, you know, within an hour by train. And a little bit longer by by road, so so yeah, so that's that's a little bit of background of where it is. Of course, we said it's featured on Octopussy first, and then Gold. Mm. The location is quite good because it's like you say, not too far from London. And is it fair? How far from like Pinewood is it? Pinewood, it's about I, I think it's about eighty miles by road. So it's you know one one of the reasons you know I'll go into a little bit how much detail I don't. No, you want me to go into, but yeah, one yeah. of the reasons it was chosen chosen for Octopussy is, you know, this it was like 1982, so it was the year before the film came out when when, when they filmed it. The railway had been open as a heritage railway line in 1977 when all these local men and women who you know had this you know been sort of local train spotters and some of them were worked in, on on the the, the 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 main railway network wanted to basically start their own you know have their own railway to sort of preserve you know this age of steam like like so many other sort of heritage railways up and down the country and so 1977 it opened in 78 it was used by the bbc as a filming location and what sort of attracted the bbc and then also eon when they came is at the time when it opened it was the only railway heritage railway site in the uk that was able to run continental style coaches and locomotives so it was the only place that had these so that's obviously what attracted eon to it because it meant they could you know 80 miles from pinewood they could easily you know get the crew up here and everything rather than all the logistics of 
not, you know, if they, they just wouldn't have been able to film it for real in Germany, which is what the, the railway was kind of set, set as, um, as you know, in, in Octopussy, it, it's sort of, it's used as Karl Markstad in, yeah. in Octopus, isn't it? So that's, that's the railway, but yeah, so, so it was always, it's always been a kind of, you know, a little bit of a, a kind of, I suppose like an in-joke that it's, you know, this, was it a good advertisement for, for the railway and for the city, the fact that they were making out that it was like East Germany, that it was, you know, dull and yeah. you know, grey <laughs> and industrial and all the rest of it. But, you know, they, they, they made it work, you know, Eon made it work. The, the, the real driving force and the person who did the recce's and came up to the railway was Peter Lamont. He he was, yeah. the, you know, as you know, production designer. Um, you know, I was fortunate to meet him on several occasions. And, and he was the one who, you know, came up to the railway, was really impressed with the setup. And also the, the, the good thing that the railway had, because it was only it's seven and a half miles long now, when they filmed Octopussy, it was only five. So it was extended slightly further after Octopussy. But in the film, it looks much longer. It doesn't look as though it's a five-mile length of track. And what Pete Lamont realised when he when he came up to do the recce is he was shown this wonderful, called uh, like a railway turntable. If you can imagine, I don't know how much you know about railways, but a turntable, basically, you put the, the, the carriages on and you can turn them very quickly. So it meant they could film in different directions on the track in the film to make the, basically the track look longer than it was. Um, so that was, you know, like a, a key thing for, for, for Peter and, and one of the reasons why they picked the railway, along with the fact that they'd got all these wonderful continental engines that were very similar to what would have been running in um, sort of, you know, East Germany at the time. So they, that, that, that was the reason why it was picked. Because obviously the plot of Octopussy, it's set, some of it's set in, well, Russia at the beginning. Then you've got Berlin, which of course was occupied that side, one side of East Berlin. Mm occupied yeah. by the Soviets and then you know you've got the rest in India so it's quite it's unusual that you've got so many different locations but it is impractical to to film all that in <laughs> you know in yeah. a, Soviet Russia <laughs> Soviet Germany that's right yeah. I mean what what what's what's interesting when you look I mean you, you guys did that you know wonderful review of of, of the film I think it was was it your first one that oh, you yes. ever did yeah, it was. yeah the very first episode, did, like, yeah. it's like the the four-parter and then yeah. obviously last year when the film was you know th those are great episodes by the way oh, thank you. Uh, they're, they're, I was I was listening I re-listened to um some of it this week <laughs> what, what's fantastic about there's so much you know great stuff about the railway and about the the scenes in there so the, the first time you actually see the sort of Neem Valley it's not the actual railway that you see so in the sort of the, the post what, what's it called after after the the title song what's well, that yes. section called yeah the, the, the credit sequence yeah the title yeah, the credit the, yeah so, yeah the, the, the credit sequence with 009 escaping yeah. from mishka and grishka so they start they, they film that in several different places they start off in east berlin so you see that they've put up this you know tent yeah. near the near the border and near, near the wall so he escapes from that then part of it then it cuts to black park um, yeah. so down in pinewood and then the part when they're chasing him and they reach the gate and he's climbing over the weir. There's like a lock bridge. He's climbing over when they when they throw the knife in his back and he falls back into the water. That sequence was filmed 
at Neen Valley. So there, there was a lock just behind the railway, and, and they filmed that that sequence there with you know David and Tony Mayer and, and, and Andy Bradford as as 009. Yeah. So so again, that, that's another little little bit that I think when they came to you know look at the railway, they did the wrecking, they realised what they you know looking around what else is round here. Yeah. They realise, oh, this would be a good bit to, to shoot. So that when you when you think about it, in reality, that's quite a long chase. It starts off in East Germany, and, <laughs> it, and then it goes to Pinewood, then up to Peterborough, and then back down to fall through the um, the ambassador's reception. Yes, of course, um, yeah, that bit as well. well yeah, we actually, so, yeah, we've spoken to Andy Bradford, and we've also yeah. spoken to the, the Mayor twins about it. And oh, it fantastic! Does, it does seem to be such a iconic scene. We keep saying to everybody. You've had a fairly jovial intro, a very old school Bond saving the day, and then it cuts right into this deadly serious chase. Instantly, you think, "Well, no, there's a clown, so is it silly?" But then, no, no, it's very, very serious, very quickly. And there was a 40th anniversary celebration, wasn't it? Like a sort of um, event at Neen Valley. Mm-hmm. This summer, there, there was. And I yeah. saw, I saw, I couldn't go, unfortunately, but I saw pictures of. Andy Bradford and the Mayer twins, and they were sort of reenacting that scene almost. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were. They were. We got them. I, I was involved in that. I, I don't know how much you know. Um, that that was an event that was sort of put on um, by Martin Martin Mulder, who, who runs yes. on the tracks of 007. There's a whole massive story about how that that kind of came about. But basically, I'd, I'd been to the Honor Majesty's 50th anniversary in Switzerland. Oh wow! Um, up at Piz Gloria, which I can't tell you how good that was. It was just the ultimate. It was just incredible. It was just one of those weekends that you know, along with you know, getting married and the birth of my kids, it was. It just was just yeah. fantastic. And I think as time goes on, it becomes even more memorable um, for you know, cue the music and the fact that the James Bond of the film, George Lazenby, was there, and some of the other the you know surviving you know cast and crew members and there was a moment where i was outside up his gloria it was in in the interval in fact when cue the music had a little break martin was out there and i sort of jokingly said to him now this is great but when are you going to do something at, at neem valley and he was like what are you talking about kind of thing and i sort of you know we had a little laugh and a kind of like a, oh yeah yeah i know we oh yeah when they did octopus yeah i know he told me and you know we kept in touch and you know through lockdown and that's really how the book came about yeah you know i had this idea for the book i'd had all these interviews in lockdown that was when i sort of put this book together and i sort of envisaged that we'd do you know maybe like a little you know like a small launch nothing too big but then Martin said, "No, no, no, no. We'll, we'll, we're, we're going to do an event." So I was just immediately thinking, "I don't know. I can't see how people, are, you know, people are going to come come to this." You know, he sent it out in the newsletter. You know, last year we went to the Bahamas. This Easter we're going, we're going to Tokyo for yeah, you only live twice, and then we're going to Peterborough in England. I'm thinking, <laughs> oh my goodness! But but look, the the, the bit round the, the weir that was something that. In lockdown, that that location is the nearest place to where I live, so it's walkable. It's like a, a half an hour walk. So during lockdown, when you know we, we were allowed to sort of you know have like daily exercise, you know, yeah, but, you know, seems doesn't seem you know <laughs> seems like a, a million years away in some yeah, ways, is, but yeah. other ways it, it's very you know recent. Um, and I'd go up there. It used to be one of the places I'd go to because it was the river and it was the water, and I'd walk up there. 
And I can remember thinking to myself when I was out there at one point, ah, oh, you know, when all this is over, it'd be great to come up here with some Bond fans, you know. Yeah. But I've seen people had been up there in, you know, in small groups, two or three. But when we realised that we had this opportunity to have like this big group, you know, 100, 120 people up there, and that we could get the Mayer twins back there, I realised that there was this opportunity to get Andy Bradford there and we could have, we could sort of create something really special for everybody because when Martin had, had done the Piz Gloria trip, or the, the, sorry, the Honor Majesty's 50 trip, before Piz Gloria, they'd, they'd done this reenactment over in Portugal with oh, George Lazenby and Terry Mountain on the beach oh. in Portugal, that. So I had that kind of in my mind, thinking, okay, look, this isn't as iconic because it's not Portugal, <laughs> but this is the next best thing. And it was one of those things that, I'd kind of, you know, sometimes when you think, oh, am I just, people are going to go for this, are people are going to be interested, do you know what I mean? And you just don't know. But in my head, I kind of thought, if we can get this right, it's going to be wonderful. And I'd, I'd, I'd interviewed Andy before and I'd met him before, and we kind of tried to sort of keep Andy's involvement a little bit of a secret because we didn't want to announce, oh, we're going to do this thing. Yes. In case, for some reason, we couldn't, it, it wouldn't happen because then you know, people's expectations would be disappointed. So everybody on the trip knew that the Mayer twins were going to be there. But with Andy Bradford, um, they didn't, they knew he was going to be at the weekend, but they didn't know when, they didn't know how. Yeah. And because Andy, when I talked to him about it, what was great, we'd, and I'd sort of said, look, it'd be great if you just, you know, and he doesn't look, when you, when you, you know, when you interview him, because obviously he's in, in the film, he's in clown makeup. Yeah. Now, you know, 40 years later as well, he's, you know, he's changed. He's not as recognisable as some of the other, no. other actors. And he kind of, he, you know, he turned up, he was just, in, you know, in jeans and a top and a little hat, a little sort of beanie hat. Um, and when I met him at the railway, he said to me, oh, Mark, oh, I should have brought a, a clown nose, like a red nose. And I just put my hand in my pocket and went, here you go. Oh, uh, yes. oh, and he was like, fantastic. And he was like, oh, that's brilliant. And he said, the only thing is, Mark, he said, my wife said to me before I came up here, she said, for God's sake, Andy, whatever you do, do not try and do any stunts or show off or do anything. And I said, look, Andy, no one's expecting you to do, you know, diving in. the. No one's expecting that at all. They're just, you know, for you to be here is enough to have yeah. a photo and all the rest of it. And Andy was really gracious because when Tony and David came, one of the things they'd said to me is that, you know, as well as, you know, being in these films, that they're, they're big, and you'll know this from interviewing them, that part of their main part of their career was working in the theatre. Yes. Yeah. And, and they said something on the, the night before when we met them that really stuck in my head. And they said they missed performing in front of an audience. Yeah. And I realised when we got down to the rail, when we got down to this spot where the gate was, we'd managed to get the people who owned the gate, we'd got it open. They stood there, and what you don't realize in the film is that it's kind of like the, the great, it's kind of sort of like on a slant, sort of as you go down to the gate. So, what it meant is you'd got like a hundred people sort of backed up, almost like you know, sort of like, like tiered, yeah, up there, all with their phones, cameras, and the two of them are there, and the flat camera. And they just, as soon as they saw that, they they almost they went into they just it was just something special. They were, you know, taking pictures of them with people behind them and vice versa. Andy, nobody realised, but Andy just let them have this moment with everybody. And then all of us, you know, and then quietly he just like walked up, 
they'd sort of had a little bit of a chat beforehand, but the fact that they were then all three of them were back at this location for the first time in over 40 years, they were hugging. And then Andy put the nose on, he turned around to everybody and suddenly it kind of clicked yes. with everybody what was kind of happening. And then Andy, bless him, I said, "Let's can we just clear a path so Andy can walk up and everyone can get a picture with him up to the lock? He went up there and the next thing I know, Tom, he's like looking at the lock bit and he's almost, you know, I can see him doing it and he's going to do one, two, three. Where can he put his hand on his feet? Boom, boom, boom. And he's up. He's up and he's hanging off. The water's underneath him. He's hanging off with sort of two standing there with like one hand pulling, you know, doing <laughs> a face. And then you've got the assistant director, Anthony Way, who's just standing there. Terry Madden, who was involved in the original second unit bit when they filmed it. John Glenn's just a little bit away as well. And they're all, it was just one of those moments that you kind of think, oh, this is what being a Bond fan's about, you know, being able to do this and how nice that these guys are so appreciative and so willing to do that. So when Andy did that, before we went up there, he kind of said to me, I said, all I need you to do is walk up. And he went, I think I can do a little bit more than that. <laughs> and then he went and did this. So what is he doing all that? When he came off, I said to him, I called, I went, don't worry, Andy, I won't tell your wife. <laughs> I said, I'm taking a picture. That was something that was really special and I think that meant a lot to kind of like a lot of people. And also it sort of, to me, it was like, it was one of those bits that made the weekend and something yeah. that everybody who was there kind of almost, because when you do these events, as you know, that, that you know, they're not something, it's not, you know, you know, when you go to these things that they're not overly expensive, but there is a cost kind of to them and you want people to feel like they're getting their money's worth. You don't, the last thing you want is, to kind of think that, oh, here we go. What have I paid for here? This isn't yeah. what, I, you know, I could just do this anytime. I could do anything. And, and and I think that was what was good about this, because normally, as you know, when you sometimes when you go to these events, you know, the, these conventions and things, it's very much they'll sit behind a table. You know, everybody will queue up autographs and stuff. But we wanted to try to make it a little bit more kind of interactive and just everybody kind of be together. And I think that that really, you know, is what, kind of made it and i think that again it's sort of there's details in the book of, about this location but yeah octopussy the 40th anniversary to be able to celebrate it you know different people everybody's you know across the country people have been celebrating it whether it's in the cinema having events but it, it was great to sort of you know have you know different people from the you know the bong fan community you know come and be be part of it and yeah that was that that was a special moment having those you know the three of them back together at that particular location because it is like it's it's a brilliant bit in the film and the more that you watch it yeah. the more that you kind of you know appreciate and it's 009 yeah do you know what i mean it was it's kind of like in a strange way i know that saying again going on but the, the, there was there was somebody there there was, there was a fan i think they must have been either from germany or switzerland but when they saw the three of these guys together, this voice, I always remember hearing this voice saying, Mishka and Grishka are making their peace with 009. Oh, right. So it, was, <laughs> it was just like this really, you know, it was almost like, you know, because look, in the film, you know, we know what happens to all three of them. They don't, they don't make it to the end credits. So the fact that we're able to, you know, relive that bit and gives us all a little bit of hope that if we can bring them back from the dead, you Absolutely. know, Barbara's listening <laughs> to this, you know, and wants any tips of how you... <laughs> bring somebody back yeah that's bring back. what are the franchise yeah. have fans which are so committed that they can somehow reenact a famous scene in the location 
with yeah. the director, with the assistant director, it, the stuntman, the performers. It was off. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was beyond. You know, it was beyond what I thought. I just thought, oh yeah, we might get. You know, just be. You know, a couple of. Uh, you know, normally when you have things like this, you know, it's 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 us guys who are dressing up and yes. you know pretending to be. You know, oh yeah, I'll get a waistcoat and a red tunic and all the rest <laughs> of it. But the fact that you've got the original and they're, you know, that they're willing to kind of like do that and go along with it um, because they, you know, they, A, how much it meant to them as, in terms of their careers and what they see it means to the fans as well. It's special and that's why, what makes, you know, James Bond just such an incredible, this cultural phenomenon that we've, you know, we've all grown yeah. up with and why we're, you know, we're, why we're talking today about it oh, absolutely you also had some bond girls there didn't you including uh magda from octopussy yes yeah magda yeah we had magda magda was christina wayborn yeah she was yeah um just <laughs> wonderful uh, yeah christina is i i wish that somebody had told me before just how nice she was oh. because there was nothing you know you hear these stories about you know roger but that nothing was to you know he never refused an autograph or a photograph or anything like that christina was exactly the same and Brilliant. i think having her there unfortunately more was sent a lovely message she wasn't able to to attend she sent a, a lovely video message that was played at the evening event and, and i've got to give credit you know to, to this whole event martin Mulder organized the event I helped him with it. My friend Del Singh, who you know, who tied the yes, turban for Kimmy well. Betty. Yeah. yeah, Del played a huge part in organising the weekend. And also um, Anders Free from, from Sweden with Love. Anders was sort of the, the guy who kind of brought all the Bond sort of alumni together. And sort of, so Anders was instrumental in that, in getting the guys that we had there, including Christina. Um, and we had a couple of the other uh, Bond girls are there, uh, Alison Worth, yeah. uh, Safira Afsal, and, and Helene Hunt as well. So that was really nice. And, and although she didn't film this at the railway, Christina did two really great things. Um, the first thing she did is when we arrived and the, we had some like local press doing the, the photographs there, what I'd done, and it's probably the best £4.99 I've ever spent, I bought some Swedish flag bunting. And one of the, 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 the one of the locomotives that was in Octopussy is still at the railway. It's not in sort of service at the moment. It sort of stands as like the gate guardian. But it's the, the locomotive train that was used in the head-on smash with the Mercedes in the film. So it was like the express train. It was a Swedish locomotive. So we put Swedish bunting up on the rail of it to, you know, to tr you know, to welcome Christina almost. As soon as she saw that and the press came out to do the photograph, she said, I want to get up there. So we've got this, you know, she was climbing up this huge to get on top of the train to pose for like photographs. And you've got, jo you know, John Glenn was standing there sort of looking up thinking, you know, I, I heard him call out and said, for goodness sake, Christina, don't jump. Yeah, yeah. Like that. yeah. You know, and, and some of the, you know, the, the railway staff were looking thinking, oh, is this, you know, health and safety? Should we be letting this, you know, this woman climb up on, you know, this isn't really normal kind of practice. But Andy Bradford was there. It was like, it's OK, we've got one of the stunt guys here, so it's all safe. We're all OK. Kind of thing but that was really great and and then the other good thing that she the other nice thing that she did is there's a scene that they filmed i think down at the raf base in hayford is it down in oxfordshire 
where they yep. film the, the the circus scenes as as after oh, yeah. the in, in the film when the tr train arrives. There's a little scene where you see her juggling some tennis balls. Yes, of course. Yeah, she's dressed. She's dressed in the circus mistress outfit. She yep. did that. She she was juggling tennis balls on on the train station, and everybody was, you know, taking photographs and and everything. And we'd got a you know like a sort of like a top hat and things. And so that 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 was great. You know, again, she didn't have to do all this. Up to now, you are the least lethal and by far the prettiest of Kamau's friends that I've come across. Thank you. So does he have a proposition for me, or do you? He suggests the trade. The egg for your life. Well, I'd heard the price of eggs was going up, but isn't that a little high? Charge it to, uh, room. Oh, 27. Along with the champagne, I suppose. I leave it at the desk. You don't mind. Why has Kamal forgotten what I look like already? It's for me. So that if I should depart this world, suddenly you'll have something to remember me by? Something like that. It's for my scrapbook. I collect memories. Well, let's get on with uh, making a few. And look, we all know how fantastic John Glenn is. Yeah. You know, um, you know, you've you've met him, you've interviewed him. I thought when he came, he might just come for a couple of hours, sit on the train, up and down with his sons. They were with him. Then he'd go back to the hotel, get ready for the meal. He was all in. He, you know, yeah. he wanted to come down to all the locations with the, with everybody. You know, it was a blazing hot day. They got, you know, his sons got him a hat, so he was, you know, out the sun, kind of thing. But yeah, he he was there from you know start to finish. And in the evening, he was. You know, even his sons were like looking at their watch, thinking, "God, we want to go to, but come on, come on, Dad." <laughs> you know, he was one of the last, last to go to bed as well. So he was, you know, properly, properly enjoyed it, and 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 rightly so because look, you, John's contribution to this series is just, it's just off the scale. And, you, and I think this year, and I think everything also as well, everything that we've all been through the last couple of years, and I think because of where the Bond series is at the moment. It's in this sort of little bit of this hiatus. Yeah. People are looking, you know, we, we're all, we're looking forward in one way, but also we're looking back of what we've got um, and really appreciating that, look, th there's this body of work that we've got and John's involvement with it is just unbelievable, isn't it? The, it's a massive the whole, the whole, the whole, the whole eighties belongs to him. And then the stuff that he did on Moonraker and Spy Love Me and then going all the way back to on on a, on a Majesty's, and yeah. you know, again, one of these people that would just embraces embraces what Bond is, embraces you know his contribution to it, and also the the fan side of it as well. So, Third yeah, to, to have have him back was special. And there was one bit where I even heard him say at the end of the weekend to his sons, "Oh, I'll have to bring, I'll have to get Janine to bring me back up here. There's a couple of nice places I want to see on the way." Oh. <laughs> Thing. so yeah so it, it, it's great it's great that you know he still wants to be involved and the, the fact that we're all able to you know appreciate and let him know as well what he means to us action this is john glenn you're listening to really <laughs> 007 podcast the book 
basically, yes. Yeah. The, the idea for the book start because it it's sort of like a a local history book, isn't it? As well as a James Bond book, as well as a filmmaking book. And there are so many stories from so many different people. I can't even hmm. begin to know how it started, how it how it's compiled. How many? I mean, how many people are in here? There's loads. <laughs> yeah, this it's a big cast list, isn't it? Um, yeah, it, look how it. I guess how it kind of started is I had this idea that I wanted to do a book about about the railway. I'd, I'd written for the the railway magazine in Steam. I used to get that when I was a kid. I've got here the issue that was from 1982 with Rogers on the cover, and I referenced this in the book. And every time there's been a sort of like an anniversary of, of, of the Bond film, the railway haven't really known what to do about it. They've not really celebrated it for various reasons. And and I just had this idea. I think leading up to the to the railway's fortieth anniversary in twenty seventeen, um, I had this idea. It would be great if we could get some of the people involved back to the railway for the railway's fortieth anniversary. So that's really how this sort of started. And what I did is I got a poster, like a an octopusy film poster, and the idea was I was going to find all the railway men and women, as many as I could find, some of who I knew. And get them just to sign it, and just with a little brief, a brief description of what they did in yep. the film, how they were involved with it. You know, they they were one of the drivers on the train, or they were a guard, or they were an extra, or whatever it was. But I soon realised when I went down to sort of see them and track these people down, and you sat down and you talked to them, like we're talking now, everybody had like this really unique story about something they saw, something they did their involvement when they encountered Roger or Walter Gattel or Stephen Burkhoff. And I just thought these stories are great. And so I just, you know, I, you know, have my voice recorder on and I just on my phone and I just recorded them and I thought I need to do something with this. And it wasn't then until, like I say, until lockdown when suddenly I've got a little bit more sort of spare time on my hands that I just thought, right, I need to do this. I need to put this all together you know, tell the story, the story of the railway, but also of the the, the Bond films. Um, because, you know, the railway has been used in a lot of different pieces of, you know, TV and film and commercials over the years. But it's Bond that, you know, I, you know the, the, the selling point to this book, I tell people when I've sort of talked to people about it, oh, why is, why is the railway important? Two James Bond films, one Ian Fleming biopic, and a drinks commercial star in a future 007. That, you know, th- th- there's no other film location apart from probably Pinewood that kind of, you know, that's got, kind of got that. You know, normally if they go to somewhere. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's like a, a one-time location, or maybe they'll, you know, they'll go back and, and film something else there. But the fact that it's got this there's the bond connection also this slight it's a bit of a tenuous link but they did film secret life of ian fleming spy maker with with jason connery they filmed the train scenes at the railway at, at neen valley and there's details and um bits and pieces about that in the book as well that i touch upon as well we mentioned john glenn he's done the forward I mean, that's yes. itself, isn't it? Getting John to contribute to it. Yeah, that was fantastic. You know, I, I was thinking about this the other day and I kind of, we, we, me and Martin went, had a, you know, went back and forth on the, on, on this about should we put on the front of the book that John had written that the forward was by John? And because normally on a book like that, you'll have, you know, you'll, you'll have the forward on there. We sort of came to the kind of conclusion I wanted that to be almost, like a surprise, you know, I wanted, if you see the John Glenn's name on there, you know, oh, the first thing I'm going to see is that. But when people aren't expecting it and the first thing you see is that photo of him raising his glass, you kind of like, it's like, oh, here we go. Because <laughs> when I saw that, when I saw that was the picture that, that Martin was going to use in there, even I thought when I first saw the proofs, I thought, oh, here we go. This is going to be good. <laughs> like that. And I'm thinking, well, I've written it. <laughs> but having that kind of endorsement and John's, involvement in there and, and and as well the other thing that he's very modest about and doesn't get mentioned enough i don't think is the fact that as well as the roger films he had a small part in Piers brosnan becoming bond because he <laughs> shot yeah. the screen test back in the day you know back before you know the remington steel um you know clause and contract prevented him from becoming bond then so so yeah he's yeah so th it was fantastic to, you know, have that, have his, you know, his endorsement in there and his smiling face, you know, raising a glass. Um, it, it was just great. And just talking about, you know, Rog, you know, like he says, he was, a, he was a good lad, old Rog, like that. You know, it's just, yeah, what more can you say? Well, that's come through the book. Like, there's so many accounts and individual encounters with Roger on set. Yeah. Just comes across as the real gent that we know he is. You know, we, we, you sometimes worry that you're going to hear a bad story about him, but I'm yet to hear each of them. He gave time to, he chatted to, he doesn't take himself seriously. You know, we spoke to Dell and he was just joking again about his lack of acting, which, of course, we don't agree with. But it is, it, I don't know, it makes it more special that it was a Roger film in a way that predominantly here. Because I think out of all the Bond actors, he's the one who's embraced the fans and the community the most. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I, I was... I wasn't fortunate enough to meet him, but I was fortunate enough to be at the one of the audience with yes. shows that he did, which was on the last tour that he did. I, I think I might. Have, there's a brief mention of it in in the book, and you know that that day when I saw him, it was in Norwich, and it was an afternoon performance. It was the only one I think of that tour that was like an, an afternoon with rather than an evening with Sir right. Roger. And and so which was good. So that meant that I could take my young son with me. So my son kind of came with me at the time. I think he was some might have been seven, I think, at the time. And he'd seen a couple of the, you know, Roger films and you know, a lot of the, the show kind of went over his head and and everything. But you know, it's one of those moments as a you know, Bond fan. 
father to son and all the rest of it. Um, but what was great about Roger on that that bit is that just to be in the same room and, you know, he got a standing ovation just for walking onto the stage before he'd even said anything. To be able to kind of, you know, be part of that and, and you know, give him that that love back to him that you know it was it was fantastic and you know full credit to to, to Gareth Arian for you know arranging those tours and giving us the fans a chance to you know bask in that you know and because you know I don't know if we're ever gonna you know any of the other bonds where we're where that's ever likely to happen again I, d I don't know I mean Daniel's done a couple of those sort of you know show you know as part of the you know promotional work that he's done I'd, I'd love Pierce to, you know, to do it. That the one that he, you know, when he did the the, the golden eye in lockdown, when he did the commentary, you know, oh, I'd I'd love Pierce to sort of, you know, if can you imagine that if he did like a, a theatre tour an audience with, just oh, oh yeah. wow. Some of the chapters in here, they bring it right back to what filmmaking was like. So there's like stuff about the call sheets, which mm. probably in the same way now. And they're just they're unbelievable to look at. So it's got basically scheduling the day. And this must have been a massive job for the assistant. But everybody had to be in the right place at the right time. Roger had to be picked up at a certain time by a certain driver. There's about three or four hotels nearby that they're all Yeah. Walter Gotell, he had to be picked up. Maud Adams, Mia Betty, Stephen Burkoff, and Rigmarole to get everybody in the same place. They're quite extensive scenes, aren't they? There's a good chunk of the film. Yeah, it, it's 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 surprising when you you know look at it. I think that the, the the screen time, the, the railway stuff, the railway features, it's something. It's maybe I think something like 40, 14 or fifteen minutes. I think there's a good, yeah, but in terms of, you know, the time scale that they, again, it's one of those things that, that locally as well, as well as like nationally with Bond fans know, I think the majority of them know that they film the train scenes at Neem Valley Railway, whether they know exactly where Neem Valley Railway is, is you know, some people do, some people don't. But locally, it's just sort of one of those things that over the years, it, it, it was you know, it's just, sort of, oh yeah, they filmed it there, but. I'm, I'm, when I talk to people, I'm like, no, 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 they, did, they weren't there just, they were there for like, you know, eight weeks, yeah. you know, prior to that, which is going to the detail in the book about, you know, the railway staff that were involved in, you know, helping set this, set the whole, you know, build some of the, you know, there was railway track, there were certain bits that needed to be built that were used in the film. And, you know, as you know, the, the way filmmaking was back, back then, the credits of the film nowadays if if it had been filmed at the railway all these people that are in the book that they'd, they'd be on they'd be on they'd be mentioned on the end credits i mean some of them are mentioned on the call sheets which is you know great for them and it, it kind of shows how much crews at the time you know the second unit how much you know appreciation they kind of felt and also that a lot of the you know these railway guys particularly in those three or four of them were, were heavily involved and in, you know were basically part of the part of the crew because, you know, the thing is, when I was a kid growing up, I, I just assumed incorrectly that all the stuff that the, tra the, the, the stunt guys were driving the train, that the stunt guys were doing everything. 
because it was like, well, why wouldn't they be? Because it's like a train and it is quite dangerous. So why would they not be, you know, driving the train? But it was like, no, no, it was the, you know, these the, the guys from the railway who were all, you know, sort of train drivers and um, firemen and guards and everything. They were all they were all doing it and and involved. And what's great as well is that, you know, there was a when you talk to some of them, there was sort of like a, a strict a fairly strict edict given to them that they weren't to take photographs. And I think, you know, some of the photographs in there, the majority of the photographs that in the book, sort of from the second unit. So after the first unit was there for a week with John Glenn, then they went off to India. And then Arthur Worcester took over, you know, directing the second unit stuff. And they were there for, you know, sort of six. And they, I think it was the second to last week of October when they, they finally sort of finished and obviously they weren't filming every, it wasn't, it's not every single day they were filming there's some days where you know the the weather wasn't right or or whatever it wasn't sort of 7 days a week but it was pretty you know pretty much every day that they were filming filming something down there the train scenes you know up and down on the track and yeah getting everything right and then obviously they'd view the rushes and then they'd change things and so there's you know mentions you know of that in the book but what i really tried to capture in the book tom is normally when you read a book about behind the scenes stories from Bond it's it, it's from the perspective of yeah the actors and and, and the crew just yeah. the people that we all we've, we've seen on the end credits of the films but what I really wanted to do with this because the book I wanted the book to be about the railway as well so I wanted to sort of these almost kind of like un, un, you know some of the extras as well you just see them for a split second in the film <laughs> so it was great to be able to kind of pinpoint who these people were. And that, that was a lot of fun because there wasn't anything on any of the call sheets. No one had got like a list to go, okay, who were all the people, the local yeah. guys and men and women who were extras? Here's a list. A lot of it was track, trying to track people down on, you know, who asking people, who do you know was in it? Do you, do you remember who this person was? So, so yeah, that was, you know, a lot of, there was a lot of work that kind of went into that. One of the chats, do it. a chat called Ken Burns, who can yeah 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 can oh yeah stories of well but it basically sounds like an episode of ricky gervais's uh extra yeah it does yeah yeah 100 percent. the tale of the left-handed soldier yeah that oh ken ken was i, I was so pleased to, to track ken down because he was a bit he was very elusive oh right for, for a long time you know for the benefit of people listening ken burns for anyone who's got the, the ultimate edition um dvds or blu-rays there's a there's one of the extra one of the extra features I should say on there is is something called Ken Burns I think it's called Ken Burns on set movie and basically Ken was an extra and then he had like a little cine camera and he filmed some of the second unit scenes and then sort of years later they got in touch with him uh, I think when 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 they were putting the, the DVDs together when when John Court was was doing the sort of inside Octopussy documentaries. And they used that on the film. So, yeah, Ken, it was fantastic to get Ken back. Ken was came to the event and obviously to have him interviewed in the book as well, because he's kind of like the one extra that I think Bond fans will know of because he's, you know, he, he's on the DVD kind of thing. But, yeah, Ken, Ken you know, Ken's a great guy. And, um, yeah, it was, it was great to sort of have him on there and have him tell his story in a bit more detail than, than he goes into on the, the, the DVD documentary. 15 wasn't he i think and he tended to be older than he was yeah 
yeah, he was. And and that 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 as soon as he told me that, as soon as he told me his age, it just you know we've all you know we we grew up with these stories of the, you know we kind of like laugh a little bit about it, but I think like I put in the book, you know, no wartime story is complete without somebody pretending to you know lying about how old they are because they want to join up. You know, in real wars that kind of happens. And this was, you know, he just wanted to be in the film. You know, he had to lie about it, that he was older than he was. He was, you know, he wasn't. He was a few months shy of of his sixteenth birthday. I think he was like sixteen in the October. Sort of when they were looking for extras, it was like August, so he was still kind of officially fifteen. But he just kept pestering, a, you know, ringing up and ringing up the production office. And well, yeah, the the the, story, the way he tells it is is in the book, and he tells it in a in a, in a really you know great way that they just finally went. Oh come on, let's just get, oh, let's just give him give him something to do just to stop him hassling us, kind of well, thing. Tell the full story because, like you say, Ken he tells it so well, and it, these chapters are so brilliant individually. And you can you can go back and forth with the book. You don't. It's not a book really that you'd perhaps read in one sitting. You know, you could read a chapter here, chapter there, revisit yeah. it. And um, what another? You, yeah, sorry. sorry. Have you have you, uh, have you got to the end of it, or have you, are you just sort of dipped um, in and out? Dipped in and out, but I have I have got. Yeah. To, I wanted to to give a full picture of it. Another funny story was that the premieres of these these films. Can you tell us a little bit about those because that I thought that was very funny. Yeah, the the, lo- the local premiere. You mean? Yeah. Well, the, the, there was yeah. There's there's sort of two sides to that. So after the film had been you know completed, some of the railway guys were invited to a crew screening. Yes. Sort of in London, which again kind of shows, you know, how appreciative the, you know, Eon and and the 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 main, you know, first second unit, you know, John Glenn's crew were of their involvement. But then there was, um, like what happens normally, there there was like a local when there was a local premiere that they had a regional, I guess it was called like a regional premiere that was put on at the local Odeon in Peterborough, and that was sort of arranged by the Odeon manager and the local radio station, who sort of ran it and, and did it as like a, a, a charity event, basically. Back then, the Odeon manager had, had had quite a good working relationship because they, the Odeon chain were in, was where the Bond films were. Were predominantly shown back then. I mean, obviously they, they they still are, but they had a the Odeon sort of cinemas had had a good working relationship with with Eon's marketing team. Jeff Freeman, I think, was the publicity manager there, and Mike Turner, who was the Odeon manager at Peterborough, which is the local cinema where I saw the film at. He'd met and he knew Jeff, so they were when they arranged the the, the local premiere. He was able to get Desmond Llewellyn to come along. Yeah, that how good's that? To the local premiere, which you know, uh, it, it's an interesting one because to us now, you just you know, it, it's the equivalent now of the last film, like Ben Whishaw turning up at your local cinema, isn't it? It is. Thing. History he's had with the franchise, you know, how many films has, he's been in more Bond films than anyone, I think. So I think yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, he was obviously a big draw, and interestingly. He hadn't filmed anything at the. He hadn't filmed any scenes at the railway. So I, I think as well that was kind of nice in a way because the people who were you know going to the premiere they'd met, they'd seen Roger, they'd seen some of the other kind of stars already, and that was you know almost the, the one star of the film that they hadn't filmed any of his scenes there. So it, it was it was great that he kind of came along to the premiere. He brought his box of tricks, his um, 
you know, gadget case and he did like a little demonstration, you know, showed that and the, you know, the radio, Francis, it was, it was the, the, the radio presenter sort of, you know, interviewed him in front of the, you know, screen before lights went down and everything. And, you know, Desmond, you know, went through and talked about some of the gadgets, etc. Yeah. So the, 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 there's, there was, I, I won't tell you that because it's in the book and if people haven't read the book, there, there was someone else who came to the premiere who at the time wasn't, wasn't an actor, but was very prevalent in sort of British culture yeah. in the nineties. Um, so, so yeah, that, that I, I was amazed when I found that out and, yeah, that there was yeah that there was you know photographic evidence of it as well to back it up. I, I had such a great time as a kid, kind of growing up and 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 seeing these films at the cinema. And and again, the the, the story that uh, the cinema manager Mike Turner tells is is in the book. And that that was another great advantage, sort of having him involved with it because it, again, it, it adds a little bit more you know dimension. So it's not just the railway. It's kind of like the film was made. What next? We're going to show the film. How did that? How was it shown? So yeah, it was. It was great that 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 I was able to sort of get him and he tells some stories. And he was a you know he was and still is a big Bond fan. You yeah. know he still sort of you know he, he messages me whenever he goes to see a film and you know basically still giving me cinema advice of what I should should and shouldn't be seeing at the <laughs> cinema all these all these years later kind of thing. So it's 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 really nice that that it sort of brought out brought out these stories in people and people you know are appreciative and also people are i don't know just happy that they've got this little bit of involvement with the bond films you know and um yeah there's just like great stories all the way through from that but yeah the the cinema screening you know when i think back and i wish i wish i could remember more but i was so young at the time i just got vague memories of it but the fact that Desmond Llewellyn, no, Q was there, you know. He, he didn't arrive by hot air balloon and land on the, the, the cinema roof. It was really good. It was really good to sort of, you know, track these stories down because a lot of these things are, over the years, these stories that are in the book, the people, they've become kind of like anecdotes that people will tell their families and, and a few of their friends, and they're all they've all heard them. You know, they've all heard these stories and they're just one-off. But when you've got, 20, 30 different stories and accounts of various things that kind of happened involving the film. It, it really, it, it builds up to something. Yeah, it does. Um, quite special, I think. And a little bit, I don't think, I, I can't think of any other location apart from Pinewood, probably, yeah. that has kind of, somebody's done this sort of thing. And that's not me sort of being like, you know, big headed. It's just, you know, I wanted to sort of, you know, celebrate the railway, the men and women who built it, and then these men and women who, you know, if you apply to be an extra in a film, you've you've got to have a little bit of something about you. You've got to be a little bit extrovert. You've got to, and everybody did it for a different reason, but everybody's really proud that if you're going to be, like one of them says, if you're going to be an extra in a Bond film, that's something that not many people can say, you know, and it's the one that still gets, railway, it's the one that still gets talked about the most it is it charts it from start to finish like you say yeah the railway itself the filming of it and then the premieres and the other it was the other premiere i was thinking of the golden eye one oh god oh yeah yeah that i remember that more yeah 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 <laughs> there was a certain sitcom star that was he was yes, very there was yeah yeah so, so there, there was a sitcom star so yeah after so after you know 13 years 
was it? Yeah, 13 years kind of previously, I'd, I'd sat there and, and seen, you know, Desmond Llewellyn Q as being, the, you know, the guest. Okay, there's going to be like a VIP guest coming to see this one. Who's it going to be? Is Desmond coming back? No, he's not. It's that, you know, with the mayor at the back. And it was Jeffrey Hughes. People in Britain will know Jeffrey Hughes, you know, for for three for three characters. It, he, he was he was Twiggy in the royal family, yeah. Um, and at the time, he played Onslow, who was like the the slobbish layabout <laughs> brother or brother-in-law in of Hyacinth Bouquet in Keeping Up Appearances. Why is Onslow reading the Financial Times? <laughs> I like to keep an eye on the economy. A bloke in my position has to wonder how long the country can afford him. <laughs> if we don't get the economy right, people like me are going to be in trouble. <laughs> it's the duty of all of us to be concerned about the shrinking pound. <laughs> and when I married him, I thought he was just a sex symbol. Before that, he played a bin man in, in Coronation Street. It was Eddie Yates. And he lived lo he lived locally, so they used to every time there was like a fate or anything that was kind of going on, they would kind of not wheel him out, but he would you know make himself available for for charity events, kind of thing. So uh, so when I saw him there, I was immediately thinking, oh, he's he must have a part in this film, right? He's got to be in it. So is he going to be you know Q's clueless assistant? You know, is is then is then you're going to be crushing him between her legs or something? You know, so the the first showing, the first screening of the film, I, you know, I really enjoyed it. But at the back of my head, I'm thinking, when's he going to turn up? What's he going to be doing? And then when I didn't see him in it, I thought, oh, maybe I've missed him. I'll have to, you know, I wanted to see the film again anyway. But you know, when I saw it again, I thought, oh, I'll have to look closer to see if he's in it. So yeah, that that was that was quite funny. Because and and again, you know, again back then. This was pre-internet, so you wouldn't know necessarily everybody who was going to be in the film at that point. So, while we're mentioning Golden, can you tell us it was a bit more low-key, wasn't it? So there weren't as many staff who were yeah. in the making of GoldenEye. But you know, again, some key scenes in the film that were filmed at, at Neve Valley. So, just tell us a bit more about that, Mark. Yeah, so so they they, they came back in sort of I think like, like late '94, early '95 to do with like a, a, a recce of the of the railway. The railway scenes in the film are with Trevelyan's sort of armored armored train. So you see it in the film. The first time you see the, the train in the film, it's when Ormoroff is is taking Natalia sort of after the the uh, the tank chase in um, to Petersburg and Leavesden. They get her out of the car and they sort of put her on the train and the train kind of pulls out of the of, of the train depot. And that was filmed at the, the British Sugar Factory sidings, which are sort of adjacent to the Neen Valley Railway. You brought me the perfect gift, General Rumoff. You've made me a very unhappy man. Mishkin got to them before I could. Bond is alive. He escaped. Good for Bond. Bad for you. Take a seat, my dear. You know, James and I shared everything. Absolutely everything. To the victor go the spoil. 
where we're going. And then you see when the train's hurtling down the track, again, that's at Neen Valley. And it's kind of going in, they've sort of filmed that in almost the opposite direction that they filmed Octopussy. So if you, the, the bit when in Octopussy, you've got the circus train as it crosses the border, it's going on the screen. It's sort of going from, where are we? Yeah, right to left. And then in the film, it's going in the other, in, in the GoldenEye, they're filming the opposite direction at that particular part of the track at Ferry Meadow Station. And then you get this confrontation where you've got, which is a mixture of like model work that was done at Leavesden with Derek Medlins and then live pieces with the train that was done at another bit of the track, which is Castor Mill Road Bridge. Bond. Only Bond. He's going to derail us. Full speed! Jump! Full speed! Ram him! They, they built Pete Lamont and his team. They built almost like a fake tunnel entrance over a bridge. So, although there's a tunnel, you see the tunnel in um, Octopussy where they switch the carriages. They used they made this tunnel elsewhere. So it was it was just a, like a normal bridge. And it's one of the bridges that in the film in, in Octopussy where he comes out the top of the hatch after he's out of the gorilla suit. He ducks down under a bridge. So it's one of those bridges that they use and they build it to look like the, the, the mouth of a tunnel. And there's, you know, photographs I've got in the book of it and under construction. film sort of part of the explosion with Bond sort of escaping with, with Natalia and the tunnel and he gets out of it and then the train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pierce was there. Yeah. P Pierce was there, I think for, he, he was only there for a day to film his stuff because it's, it's literally jumps out the train. You see him kind of crouch down the side of the track. Um, and then it's sort of a mixture of model work and live action with some of the explosions bits that they filmed and then he's got the, when he's with Natalia, when they're sort of having a little, at the end, boys with toys. <laughs> yeah, so he has a little, yeah, he has a little smooch next to the next to the railway track. You destroy every vehicle you get into. Standard operating procedure. Boys with toys. Hmm. Maybe I should take care of the transportation for our trip to Cuba. Ah. Uh -huh. Our trip? Do you know how to disarm the weapon? I suppose that depends on what kind of weapon you're talking about disarming. 
So? Tell me, are there any other standard operating procedures I should be aware of? Commander. Thousands. But I only pay them. Lip service. These two films that are in, they're in my top five, whatever, top favourite Bond films. And Otsmoosey was probably the one we watched most as kids. So it yeah, really brilliant. the first one we all saw at the cinema. So it meant so much to us. That scene where they sort of jump out of the way of the explosion and then have have the kiss with the music going on is filmed at Neen Valley. <laughs> it's just brilliant. I know. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. You know, look, imagine, so going back to, you know, me as a, you know, I think it was like 21, 22 when I was watching it with my mates yeah. at, at the cinema thinking, oh, when's he coming into it? But again, knowing that they'd film stuff at the railway, but not knowing when it was going to be in it. Yeah. So what? as soon as the, as soon as the tank kind of like appears in it, because I'd seen some pictures in the local press that they'd done a bit with a tank. As soon as I saw the tank appear in a tank chase, I mean that bit when the tank just when he just drives through the drives through the wall, you know, the, it's like Bond is driving a, driving a freaking <laughs> tank. You know, I can remember the time thinking, how cool is that? You know, there's two bits in that the, the bit with the tank, and also the bit where you see him when he comes out the top of the of the of, of the tank out of the you know the turret, and he's got the Kalashnikov, he's got the rifle, just you know, Pierce, he's got his Brioni suit on there, and he's got the rifle. It's just like. Oh, just it just look that is to me it's like that is the epitome of like 90s cool absolutely you know, just you know it's i think it's one of the, to me it's one of those you know when you see like those those montages of you know oh yeah we love 1990s and yeah. you know there's music bands and everything like that that pierce that bit of him there that's just you know the whole thing with golden everything that's I think a lot of the love for Goldeneye comes as well from the, you know, the video game as well. Just the name Goldeneye, it just means so much. The film, the video game, the connection to Fleming as well, you know, Fleming's home. It's just, yeah, they really, you know, when they came up with that title, it's just like, yeah, do you know what I mean? We've done, we've done something good here that we've, that we've put, we've put this down as a marker that, you know, thank goodness we've come up with this before someone else took it kind yeah. of thing. Just got to say to everybody, this book, Train on the Tracks, is terrific. I'd like to, you know, endorse it as a podcast as well. And John Glenn, of course, has loved it. He's got. I'm sure you gave him a copy when you saw him as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, John's got a copy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's absolutely fantastic. And it's worth, I'm sure there'll be more events perhaps in the future. We're saying... Before long, it'll be the 50th anniversary of Octopussy. Some of the people will still be with us, and I'm sure we will try and go, because it was sold out last time, so we missed it, unfortunately. Yeah, but- yeah, hopefully we can do some more stuff. You know, we've got the other thing that I was thinking about the other day, you know, we've got, you know, not far away from the 30th anniversary of, of GoldenEye, believe it or not, are we? Well, there we you go. Know, 20, 25, oh, my goodness. Exciting, that bit. <sighs> yeah. You get Isabella's show, Mark, and I'll definitely be there. <laughs> yeah that would be yeah yeah well, well yeah if somebody wants to you know please yeah get in touch tell me and yeah. we can get her to come back oh yeah i'm more than happy to yeah show her around and, and everything else but yeah i mean like just sort of bringing it sort of i guess kind of like full circle with the knee valley it, although it's not been used in a 
you know bond film since i think it's great that that there's still this attention on it and you know i get messages from you know people you know wanting to you know come to visit or wanting to know things and and, and stuff like that and it's still it's still used as a film location so whether it will be ever used again in the bond films who knows you know never say never it's still being used it was used earlier this year by by the bbc in the um, tv series silent witness they, they, they came back do some stuff and just before lockdown eastenders film filmed here as well so so yeah it's still it's still a place that, that attracts you know tv and films yeah long may it continue if you, if you you know you're down this way or you want to visit yeah just let me know and we can have a look around the book could you just tell us where we find the book if you want to get our hands on it the book is on martin's on the uh, on the tracks of 007.com so it's available on there so you can go on onto, onto the website and, and purchase it there yeah, and there's some other there's some other great location books as well that that Martin's done. You know, Simon Firth as well. I think he's maybe on his fourth now. Um, so there's some other good you know books from other locations that are a little bit more glamorous than <laughs> the Neem Valley <laughs> on the outskirts of Peterborough. You know, thanks for you know thanks for this chat. It, it's been really good. It, you know, it's always good to talk about Bond with new friends, yes. as well as old friends. So yeah, here's to us. Yeah. <laughs> No, thanks yeah. so much, Mark, and I'm sure we'll see you in person at a Bond event very soon. Really like to look five years younger. In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.